0: So 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. My little children, I am writing you these things so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the Righteous One. He himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for those of the whole world. This is how we are sure that we have come to know him, by keeping his commands. The one who says, I have come to know him, yet doesn't keep his commands, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly in him the love of God is perfected. This is how we know we are in him. The one who says he remains in him should walk just as Jesus walked. Dear friends, I'm not writing you a new command, but an old command that you have had from the beginning. The old command is the message you have heard. Yet I'm writing you a new command which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining the one who says he is in the light but hates his brother is in the darkness until now the one who loves his brother remains in the light there is no cause for stumbling in him but the one who hates his brother is in the darkness walks in the darkness and doesn't know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes.
1: Hello, everybody. If you haven't had got your Bibles open yet, please get them open, and there's an outline there to uh, help us concentrate and see where we're going. I hope that helps. Let's just uh, ask God for some help. Our loving Heavenly Father, again, we just uh, do ask that you would speak to us through your word, that you'd give me the right words to say, and that we would be people who just... Love to hear what you say and trust and apply to our lives. So help us, we pray, for your glory. Amen. Uh, Have you ever uh, got yourself in a real mess and needed help? Or have you ever failed badly? Um, uh, If I asked you, you know, what jumps to your mind when I say something like that, um, I'm sure we've all... It's not hard for us to find a few things that we've messed up with or uh, that we have failed at before we follow the Lord Jesus and after we followed the Lord Jesus. Um, uh, one that always jumps to my mind that makes me embarrassed and absolutely stupid is um, I once ran a radar trap. I came over the top of a hill going too fast and the police came out with their little signs and Greg panicked and I pushed that right-hand pedal down, and I shot away. I remember going on Great Western Highway in a four-wheel star skin hut slide up Great Western Highway to where I lived. And then for the next weeks, I waited for the <coughs> Mr. Peely. <coughs> it, was, well, it was a couple of weeks. Ahead. It was probably good for me <laughs> in many ways, um, but it's just embarrassing. What do you do, and where do you go? There was nowhere to go, really. I was just guilty. And feeling bad and waiting to get caught. And um, and I would have deserved it. And there was no way I could have got out of it. It was stupid times 300. Like it was stu- Have you ever done anything stupid and messy that's caused trouble in different ways? Um, one of the things that the Bible tells us and wants us all to know is that God is a God of justice. And there is a judgment day coming. And we're all going to face God and it's not going to be an if or a maybe. It's going to be a certainty and we're all going to fail on our own merits. We're going to fail badly. And uh, the issue really of today is not so much becoming a Christian, giving putting our trust in Christ for forgiveness, though that's in the background, It's actually more about what do we do as followers of Jesus who have been forgiven with our failures, with our messes, with our guilt. What do we do with it? That's really what 1 John, where we are, is looking at, but it gives us an aspect on the cross that we need to look at. And the aspect of the cross I want us to add today, we've got the series, go to the website, look at the other talks to get lots more around the gospel. But the aspect I want to focus on today, and let me just say it so we get it, is the bigness of the cross. Um, And we'll get there and think about just how big it is. The first thing we need to understand uh, as we look at today, the cross and the atonement and the bigness of that, uh, is that we need to understand that the message from God is good news. If we don't understand it as good news, then we don't understand it because it's actually good news to people who mess up and fail. That's what it is. It's good news to people like you and I who do make mistakes, even when we're trying. When we become followers of of the Lord Jesus, we become people who try to obey and we still fail in that trials. What do we do with it? How do we deal with it? And so we need to understand that it is good news uh, to us um, because it's written to those who do sin. So chapter 2, verse 1, My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, does anyone mess up and fail, this is written to you. That's what it's about. But what we need to understand in this good news is a point that's been coming up in lots of aspects in the cross, and that is firstly these three dot points that firstly, God is rightfully angry at us. He's rightly angry at us. It's something that we can forget. We, we, we can sometimes think of that before we become followers of Jesus and, and follow Him. But sometimes we can forget that He still gets angry with us with, our, with the sin in our lives uh, as He's dealing with it. He's caring about it, but He still gets angry with us. Think of you in parenting He's now our father and you've got your child, and you're trying to teach your child some particular thing that you're trying to build them up with, usually a lot of things, you know, and they're driving you crazy and they're making you angry because they won't do this or become that or reflect this attitude. You're getting, But you still love them to bits. You see, we've got to move it. We've got to take the anger away of the anger of judgment to the, to the, to the I want better for you. And I'm, I'm shaping you because God is now committed to making us more like Christ. And so we've got to realise that that's also an element of, of what's happening with us, that God's rightfully angry with us. Now, think before a Christian as a follower of Jesus, but we've still got to think about that God cares about every single thing that we do. Um, he, he just cares about what everyone does. He really does care about it. It's not a matter of insignificance. Um, and it's crucial information to know that God is angry at it or we will never understand the cross. It'll never really move us. It'll never really shape us because we've got a wrong view of why the cross is so good and why we keep going there. Um, but think about it just even from this. If we just pick one little instrument in the body, this one, and we we'll that one, and just think about that one for a minute. Just think about that God cares about every cruel word, Every silent word, every unspoken word, every lying word, every put-down word, every gossip word, every mean-spirited word, every coarse word, every rude word, every thoughtless word... And we haven't even started to really touch the Ten Commandments. Just think about God caring about those things in our lives. And it's a crucial bit of information for us to know too that God cares about it and he sees it all and we can't hide it from him. What happens in our head, what happens everywhere, we've been preaching on Jonah at night. And one of the big points of Jonah is you can't run away from God and his will. You can't run away where he can't see what you do. God sees everything and he just... Things that we do, do make him angry. Things that we do, and he comes to work on our lives, he's trying to change our priorities and change our behaviours and change the way that we think he's working on us because he is a loving father who cares about his children. Now, let me just make this as a quite side point, but it's very important. This is one of the reasons why many people don't read the Bible or don't study the Bible because the way how you can get away from God's judgment and that His work in your life to change you is to keep away from the very word that He uses to expose and to show you the things that He wants us to work on and in, the person He's trying to make us become. And so always be wary when you're not starting to read your Bible most days, or you don't want to be in a growth group, or you come to a sermon and you find every excuse not to listen and you really don't listen. Be aware of all that. Because what that is, is a warning from God. Because how do we get away from what God is doing in our life? We've got to get away from his word. Because that's what the spirit uses to shape and change us. So be aware of that with one another and in yourself. Uh, And watch it. Because what we've learnt as you become, as you follow the Lord Jesus, is when you come and face what's wrong with you, God actually relieves you and shapes you and changes you through it. But you've got to go through the process of having it seen and highlighted. And so the first thing we've got to understand is God is angry with sin. Uh, but that we've also got to see that the cross is where God deals with that anger and deals with that sin. There's a place. And so one of the reasons we read the Bible is because that's where God shapes us and changes and shows us what he's done for us, where to go, what to do, when we mess up and when we fail. But we've got to understand that the cross is where he deals with, with that anger at sin and so... Uh, chapter 2, verse 2, he, Jesus, is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. He's our advocate. He's our representative. He, he represents us. He always wins his case. We will be forgiven by Jesus. He will represent us. But he is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And by atoning, it's literally the word um. um uh, and it's probably re- I didn't re- I didn't take notice then. Sorry, sorry. Were you reading? That, it's that literally the word um, propitiation. It's got that word which actually means the turning away of God's anger. That's what it means. It means atonement. We translate it that way. We're looking back to the Old Testament, but we need to understand that what's happening on the cross is God is turning away. Uh, his anger from us in by putting it on the Lord Jesus. I don't know if this helps you, but if you imagine God's judgment is like a train and you're on a track and you can't get off it, and God's judgment is coming towards you, and there's nothing you're going to do about it. It's just going to wipe you out. You can put your hand up, try and say I'm good, I believe. It just nothing's going to work. It's gonna it's going to wipe us out. But Jesus steps between us and the judgment. And what he does is he changes the track where the train of God's anger is coming towards us and he moves the track off onto it, switches the line onto the track where Jesus is standing so that the full impact of God's anger hits Jesus and not us. And so it ends up being God's anger is is, is, is switched, God's anger is moved, God's anger is veered away, God's anger is averted, uh, God's anger is... Turned away, whichever way you want to put it. But it's more than just it was turned away from It's which it has been. But it has been fully expressed on Jesus. So now no longer are we, not only are we absolutely forgiven, but that train of God's anger will never ever be on our track again because of what Jesus has done for us if he is our Lord and Saviour. It'll never come on this. It's been fully appeased. The steam has run out of the train. There's nothing left to come to us because Jesus has taken it for us. Now, thirdly, what I want us to see from that is that God's love is gigantic. And this is the the, the big gospel point I want to make today. Um, God had to deal with all of our mess and all of our sin and all of our failure And so the cross is no small matter. It's absolutely unbelievably big and gigantic. Um, I, I want you to try and see if this helps. Imagine it this way. Imagine if every person's sin from all time is piled up in one place. Imagine it from every... And to help us imagine that, imagine every lie, every hurtful word, every injustice, every murder, every rip-off, every war and what happened in war, every torture, every selfish act, every sexual immorality, every cruelty, every put-down, every failure, every moral impurity, every promiscuity, every idolatry, every sorcery, every hatred, every strife, every jealousy, every outburst of anger, every selfish ambition, every dissension, every faction, every envy, every drunkenness, every carousing, every debauchery, every neglect, every act of not loving God, not loving his word and not loving his people. Can you feel how big that is of every person from every, can you see how big it is? And the cross meets it. The cross satisfies it. Can you see how big it is? The cross is not small. The cross is gigantic. It's unbelievably, And it's God's love. It's his justice, but it's his love. His unbelievable love to provide something that can deal with all of that. It's gigantic. And it's unbelievably, and it's no small thing. So verse uh, 2 of chapter 2, just listen to this again. He is the atoning sacrifice for all our sins And not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. That is one big hit, isn't it? One gigantic hit and one gigantic provision of love for you and I. So what I want us to do now, just to finish up, is to think at four four applications of this truth. The first thing uh, I want us to uh, notice uh, is that... um, it, it, is in, 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 it is in chapter uh, uh, 2, verse 1. He says, my dear children, I write this to you. So the first point of application is I want you to think of be children. Be children. Uh, so what us understand is he's talking to people who are forgiven, who are God's children. So when we turn to the Lord Jesus as our substitute, as the, our atoning sacrifice, as the one who represents us as an advocate, as we turn to him, what happens is we are brought into his family as children. The Father becomes our Father in heaven. Jesus becomes our brother. The Holy Spirit makes and is our life and makes the Father and the Son real to us. What happens is we become Children of God. We're not children of God until we put our submission in the Lord Jesus and he becomes our father and Jesus becomes our brother. We become children. But this is written to children who struggle with sin, who mess and fail. He's talking about sin here, not to people who aren't Christians yet, who've got to put their trust in Christ and come to him, though it has that application, is there in the background. He's writing to children. My dear children, I hope you don't sin, but if anyone does sin, he's writing to us about our sin. You see, when we're forgiven, God starts the process of making us more like Jesus. Absolutely forgiven, but now he's on about changing us to become like the Father, to become like Jesus. He's entered into that process of shaping us and moulding his children. Be children. Know you're a child. Be a child of the Father. Know he's working on us and he wants us to deal with sin. He's on about changing us. So when you think about children, you've got to think about development and growth to maturity, that sort of idea, being shaped and changed into a mature follower of the Lord Jesus. Uh, to someone who's more like and imitates the Lord. He's shaping... So, and so the first application point is he's writing to us that we have to deal with our sin. It's not like you become a Christian and now you never have to deal with your mess and failure anymore. You deal with it even more now. It's just got nothing to do with that train hitting you. It's got to do with becoming the person that God's making you. And, and we've got to still realise that it still makes him angry when we have the wrong priorities. Or when we tell someone you don't have to go to church to be a Christian or or we tell them some false gospel or we're unloving to someone or we put the church down or we put the minister down or I put you down or we mean We've got to understand God hates that because we're supposed to be becoming closer together and more like him. And so be children, be a family, come together. And so... What is the characteristic of God's children? What's the characteristic of Jesus? When You know, people used to have, what did, What would Jesus do and, and you know, all that sort of stuff. The answer is quite simple because it is be obedient. Obedience is the character, the characteristic of God's people, not perfection but obedience. And so chapter 2 verse 1, my dear children... I write this to you so that you will not sin, so that you will not sin, so that you will... Did you hear that? But if anyone does sin, can, can you see what's happening? The attitude is, that the do not sin is, he's expecting an attitude of obedience from God's children. It's actually a, a mark that we are saved. Uh, remember in the Old Testament, uh, there was the Old Covenant and God wrote the law on tablets of stone. But in the new covenant, he is now going to absolutely forgive us, but he is going to write his law on their hearts of flesh. He's going to give us a soft heart to obedience rather than a hard heart to obedience. And so the miracle of being saved in the New Testament is that what God has done is he's done two things. When we come to Jesus, submit to him, We are absolutely forgiven the train will never come our way. It hit Jesus and he has given us a soft heart that wants to obey. They're the marks of being a Christian. And so uh, open your Bibles there, chapter 2, go on to verse 3 and look how God speaks through uh, John to us about this issue. We know, verse 3, that we have come to know him, If we keep his commands. Can you see that? Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar. And the truth is not in that person. Can you see what he's saying? People who say, I love the Lord Jesus, I follow the Lord Jesus, and they don't have an attitude of obedience to him, are lying to themselves. It's not true, not perfection, but we have an attitude of obeying him. We often forget this. If you've had the privilege of growing up in a Christian home, sometimes it's harder to identify how that slide happened. But if you were someone who became a Christian later in life, often in that early stages, you really notice the difference. I can still remember when I became a Christian, going to Parramatta Union Club after footy on a Saturday night, and what you would do is get on the grog. As much as you could drink, that's what you did. And I remember getting there and having a, having a beer. And I remember sitting there, going, "I don't think I want to drink that much anymore. I don't think I do that anymore. I, I, I think God cares about what I drink. I think God, as a change, something had changed in me before I'd even gone to start working out what what the Bible said. God had already." started saying, you've changed. You've got a new heart now. Now something was making that uncomfortable to just go and drink as much and to ch- do whatever I was going to do. I'm not saying I did well that night. I can't remember exactly. I'll say I did very well. I'll say I did very, 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 very well that night. Yeah, but you know, but God had changed your heart. You see, we've got to remember that the changed heart is actually the evidence that God has called you to Jesus because he calls us in. And he absolutely forgives us. We know we need forgiveness. But he changes our heart to what to obey? To to stop swearing. To be nice to people you don't like. To go to church. To work on unifying. To not put people down. To to not criticise. To love. To be kind. To be gentle. To be respectful. To not give people what they deserve. This This is what God is doing in us. I don't know if you were, uh, I'll I'll save it for the last point. I'll go there quick. I'll get there quick. But the main, I'll save it in a second. The 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 main place that God works on when it comes with this obedient heart that He's given us, the place that He takes to, and particularly in 1 John, where He takes us to, is our, so I'll put it here, be loving. And He's talking about love one another, He's talking about your church. He's talking about, you know, in the Bible, neighbour is non-Christian. We are to love our neighbours, of course, people who don't know Jesus, don't go to church, don't care about what he says. We love them and we try to tell them about what Jesus has done. But he's talking about the other children of God, brothers and sisters in Christ, fathers and mothers in Christ, one another is talking about Christians in the Bible. And uh, so chapter 4, verse 7, it's there in chapter 2, but... Chapter 4, verse 7 puts it in a nice clear way that we don't have to explain too much. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. You see, the obedience, the pouring of God's love into your heart to forgive you is to pour out to one another. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God, loves one another. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God, and off he goes. And it's this, what happens is he turns his love into one another. So they'll know we're Christians by our, for one another, for the church. The way you treat the church says a lot about your salvation. The way we talk about one another, the way you talk about me, the way I talk about you, the way we put ourselves out for one another, the way we're getting involved, says everything about our salvation and our growing up as children. Because children have an attitude of obedience and the obedience is focused on the people, the other people that he's saving. That's where it all hits. We become the new community, and we love one another. And it's evidence. And so, lastly, and the last B, and I know De- I did this one really hard because I know Deb Northwood tries to guess all my points, and I like to make it hard. I bet she didn't get this one. What do you reckon? Oh, go 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 go! I only did it. Sorry, I made it really cryptic just for Deb. Sorry about it. Here we go. Go. Okay. Oh, good, 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 good. And so the last one is, you know, really it's been it's been, be a child, be obedient, be loving as application of the gospel, but be a runner. Be a runner. Yeah, I knew you wouldn't get it. Here we go. So here it is. So, so chapter 2, verse 1. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate. And what that means is we've got somewhere to go. We've got someone to run to. We need to be a runner when we sin. We've got to stop ignoring our sin, stop just letting it go. What we do is we run to the advocate. What do I do when I mess up? Where do I go when I fail? Where do I go when I let myself down or let you down or let someone down? Where do I go? And this is why this is written. We go to Jesus the same as we did for salvation. We go to him and we say and we remember that he is an advocate for anyone whose sins come to him, because we've got an advocate who was an atoning sacrifice for our sins. We go to him and remember that God forgives us and we ask him for the power to obey and love because we know we never get to the end of being changed. God saved us to change us from ourselves. And he's working on us to make us more obedient and to make us more loving, more like Jesus, more like the Father. In all these areas, caring about people, balancing our lives that we might bring him great glory. And so... That other thing I was going to say, I can't remember what it is now. And it was, and it was good. <sighs> oh well, here we go. I'll finish. So, just to finish up, this is written for children of God who sin. Put your hand up if you sin. Good. Just mess up, fail. It's written to us. That's don't pretend like you don't. Worry if you don't care. If you don't care, you're not a Christian. Because you will have a heart that wants to obey and love. If you don't care, then worry. You need to do business with God. But if you do care, we've got somewhere to go. You see, he's going. He's trying to make us better. He's trying to make our life the one that he created us. He's trying to give us life to the full. It's not going to finish till heaven. It's going to be a messy, mucky, up and down we're in a fallen world don't 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 hear perfect but here he's working on us in all of this for our good because he loves us so when you mess up when you fail don't pretend like you don't don't pretend to one another like you don't do anything wrong you're only filling one person and it's you we all know do i think you don't see things in me that attitudes or things that aren't right i'm only filling one person we all but keep bringing it to jesus Please forgive me. Please give me the power by your spirit to change, to become more obedient, more loving, more people-oriented because it's actually a sign that you are his child. May we keep encouraging one another to live as children of God. Amen.